0: you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free every day we stand in an epic spiritual battle between good and evil and safety is of the lord this is truth dealer radio warning believers to wake up
1: I am Brian Moonen, and I am sounding the alarm, asking you to wake up and join the battle for truth. And of course, the truth is God's word, and the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4.12. Again, welcome back to Truth Dealer Radio. Today, we're going to be talking about an early creed of born-again Christians, followers of Jesus Christ. Jesus is Lord, and also the idea of being marked and sealed by God and what that means to us. We'll also talk a little bit about the unbelievers. They are also marked for destruction. So, one of the very first creeds or confessions of the church, the body of Christ, followers of Jesus Christ, saved, born again believers, was Jesus is Lord, and that is based on the scriptures. Romans 10, 9 through 10, and 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3. 1 Corinthians twelve three says, Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed. And that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Now, that would be true at any time. And of course, people can lie. But you can't lie to God. God will know on Judgment Day if you're lying, and you will go to hell. You can't trick God. You can't fool God. But the idea here is publicly confessing Jesus is Lord. And back then, you can be put to death for saying that, because they were required to say Caesar is Lord, and this is an interesting part of history that I didn't really know that much about until I looked into it and read a little bit about it this week. I really got interested in it because obviously at KJVPrepper.com we have shirts and and hats and different things with this design that I made that says Jesus is Lord. And at the time, doing that, I never I never knew. I obviously knew it's a biblical proclamation. Of Jesus Christ is Lord. He's Lord of all. Acts 10.36 also says that. But as far as the historical side and the history of the body of Christ in the church, I didn't really catch that aspect of it. I didn't know it was one of the earliest creeds of Christians. They would greet each other. Jesus is Lord. And it just encouraged me when I heard that. So praise God. And I wanted to relay that and share that with you because Whenever I do learn something like that, I like to pass it on. It says here in an article by R.C. Sproul, not endorsing him, this is just some history, and it's an article I found online, the loyalty oath required by Roman citizens to demonstrate their allegiance to the empire in general, and to the emperor in particular, was to say publicly, Caesar Curios, that is, Caesar is Lord. And they meant Lord Like one of the gods with a small g, they believed in multiple gods. And if you believed in only the one true God and you worshiped the Lord Jesus Christ, they called you an atheist. They actually called Christians atheists because we don't believe in all the false gods. A little irony there for the pagans to call us atheists. But this is true. So, they were required to say, Caesar is Lord. Christians could not do this in good conscience, obviously, and we still should not. So, as a substitute for the phrase, Caesar is Lord, the early Christians made their affirmation by saying, Jesus is Lord. Praise God. And, of course, this provoked the wrath of the Roman government, and in many cases, it cost the Christian his life. Therefore, people tended not to make that public affirmation unless they were moved by the Holy Spirit to do so end quote there. And I would say that must be pretty accurate. You know, it's a little different when you have a sword to your throat or when your head is on the chopping block, so to speak. Getting bullied at work and getting looked at weird is nothing compared to what they face there and what real Christians today face in other countries, in other parts of this earth. And let's remember to pray for those brothers and sisters in Christ, that do have to face that kind of a decision daily. They count the cost. They love Jesus. They're following him. They're risking their lives and the lives of their family. But they know our reward is greater in heaven than anything we can lose here. Praise God. So let's just talk about Jesus as Lord for a minute and focus on some scriptures. Just to bring it out, Philippians Philippians 2, nine. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. And when I'm working and I'm printing these shirts and stuff, I usually pray and I say, Lord, help me to do this for your honor and your glory. And all the glory and all the honor does go to God. No matter what we're doing, we should be focusing on that. But when I'm making the shirt that says Jesus is Lord on it, that is the intention. Amen? And in this verse right here, and this is the reason. It's the name above every name. It's the only name whereby men must be saved by the name of Jesus Christ, faith in him alone, faith in His finished work on the cross. Amen. It's a free gift from God. Repent and believe the gospel, and you shall be saved. Acts 4.12 Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Romans 10.13 For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And Psalm 106.8 says, Nevertheless, he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make his mighty power to be known. Amen. Recently, we saw a pretty decent Christian movie that told the story of Polycarp. He was discipled by the apostle John. So he directly knew John, and he was taught by John. And later on, he became the bishop of Smyrna and just as a side note that it's not a catholic term bishop it just means he was the elder he was like in the office of being the pastor there he was residing as the bishop and that's a biblical term that can be found in the new testament he didn't wear a funny costume and he didn't pretend to forgive people of their sins But bishop is a Bible term, and it has a small b. So Polycarp, he was brought to the Roman authorities. I think he was 86 years old. He was brought to the Roman authorities and ordered to confess that Caesar is Lord. He refused to do so, and he was murdered. He was martyred, inspiring others to remain faithful to Christ. Praise God. And if you don't know the whole story there, I left out all the details, basically. Read about him in Fox's Book of Martyrs or some other book, historical book, or if you do want to watch the movie, there is a movie about it. It wasn't terrible, somewhat of a conjecture in there, but hey, it is what it is. But it did glorify God and showed faithful Christians confessing Jesus is Lord, not Caesar is Lord. Amen. So I just was thinking about these things throughout the week and reading some things. And I was thinking about how when you wear something like that, that says Jesus is Lord, you're kind of marked, you know, and I get a lot of looks and I've heard testimony and had people write me letters talking about some of their experiences wearing their Christian shirts and stuff like that and their hats and people in all walks of life and all different job scenarios, all different family situations, and it's effective. And you're marked in in a lot of ways by doing that. And that's the idea. You're going to get the truth out there. It got me thinking about a lot of the situations in the Bible where people were marked for different reasons. God protected Cain with a mark for God's own reasons But Genesis 4.15 says, And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. And Cain had a life to live out. And there was going to be children born of him, Enoch and others. And there were reasons why God didn't judge him immediately. Ezekiel chapter 9 tells the whole story of, I believe, a Christophany of the Lord Jesus Christ, wearing the white linen, God sends him out to put a mark on the foreheads of all those who are faithful to God, those who are crying out, who don't go along with the idolatry and the abominations that are happening in Jerusalem in the land of Israel against God. Those that are faithful, those that are crying out, that that hate what's going on. And so this person... In the white linen, takes an inkhorn and goes throughout and marks those people so they'll be protected, so that when the judgment comes, death will pass over them. It's very symbolic, obviously, and reminiscent of Passover, reminiscent of future times, too. Ezekiel chapter 9. Now, the Lord is, is going to pronounce this judgment because they've been worshiping idols have been doing in chapter 8, it describes their sin and their idolatry throughout the land. Chapter 9 begins, He cried also in mine ears with a loud voice, saying, Cause them that have charge over the city to draw near, even every man with his destroying weapon in his hand. And behold, six men came from the way of the higher gate, which lieth toward the north, and every man a slaughter weapon in his hand. And one man among them was clothed with linen, with a writer's ink horn by his side. And they went in and stood beside the brazen altar. Amen. I love how it says one man and one man. Now certainly it's symbolic of Christ. Some people think it is Jesus Christ that's going to execute this task, and that's going to perform this, that's going to go through and seal Those who are faithful, we won't argue about that, but it's symbolic either way. And the glory of the God of Israel was gone up from the cherub, whereupon he was, to the threshold of the house. And he called to the man clothed with linen, which had the writer's ink horn by his side. And the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry, for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. And to the others, he said in mine hearing, Go ye after him through the city, and smite. Let not your eyes spare, neither have ye pity. Slay utterly old and young, both maids and little children and women. Become not near any man upon whom is the mark. And begin at my sanctuary. Then they began at the ancient men, which were before the house. And he said unto them, Defile the house, and fill the courts with the slain. Go ye forth. And they went forth, and slew in the city. And it came to pass, while they were slaying them, and I was left, and that I fell upon my face, and cried, and said, Ah, Lord God, wilt thou destroy all the residue of Israel in thy pouring out of thy fury upon Jerusalem? Then said he unto me, The iniquity of the house of Israel and Judah is exceeding great, and the land is full of blood, and the city full of perverseness. For they say, The Lord hath forsaken the earth, and the Lord seeth not. And as for me also, mine eye shall not spare, neither will I have pity, but I will recompense their way upon their head. And behold, the man clothed with linen, which had the inkhorn by his side, reported the matter, saying, I have done as thou has commanded me. Amen. That's such a heavy scene there. And it's just an amazing picture of how Christ seals us unto the day of redemption. Christ protects us. And those who have the fear of the Lord are protected by Him. Those who love the Lord depart from iniquity, and all those who hate the Lord love death. And it comes back upon their own head. Their judgment is due. The wages of sin is death. And I don't care if I repeat myself a lot of times on these shows, I never know who's listening, and I want people to understand what the Bible says about sin, death, and hell, and that the only hope is in Jesus Christ, the Lord. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Praise God. He's the only hope for any person who's alive right now. If you're listening, Jesus Christ is your only hope. And that's true no matter who you are, if you're lost or saved. He's my only hope. Amen? He's my blessed hope. He's my Savior. He is my Redeemer. He bought me back. He paid the price for my sins. Praise God. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. And he is my only hope. I'm looking forward to that day when he comes back to receive his bride. And he's going to set things straight. Amen. And it'll be judgment time. Talk about truth o'clock. That's what it's really all about. That's going to be zero hour. And it's about 11.59 right now, so you better get your heart right with God. This God doesn't play. Did you hear the chapter I just read? He doesn't play. Time is short. Judgment Day is coming, and your soul is at stake. But don't forget, Jesus loves you. He died for you, and he did make a way for you to be saved. We'll be right back on Truth Dealer Radio.
0: Truth Dealer Radio. No matter what time zone you're in, it's truth truth. o'clock. Every day we stand in an epic spiritual battle between good and evil and safety is of the Lord. KJV Prepper Witnesswear can be a bold witness to the unsaved and encourage believers to be truth dealers for Jesus Christ in these end times. All designs are original. Visit KJVPrepper.com for effective Christian apparel. worn to
1: Warn. Praise God. Welcome back to Truth Dealer Radio. Before the break, we were talking about how the Lord seals people. First, we discussed the phrase, Jesus is Lord, and that it was an early confession, an early creed, so to speak, of the early church. And that reminded me of how we're marked, we're marked, we're sealed by God, by the power of God, and by Jesus Christ, who is the living word of God. And let's get back into the scriptures. I wanted to read here, Ephesians 4.30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Praise God. Thank God that we are sealed unto the day of redemption. The day of judgment for the lost and the wicked is going to be our day of redemption. It's a two-sided coin, if you will. They will be judged. Time is up. It's over. No more chances. For us, it's our final redemption. It's the fulfillment of everything when Christ returns to judge the living and the dead. Amen. And he will judge and his enemies will be punished and they will not escape his wrath. And we read Ezekiel chapter 9 in the entire chapter in its, um it's foreshadowing of Judgment Day. And it's a warning for the wicked, for the enemies of God. They will be judged. God will recompense. They will receive back upon their own head the reward for their wicked deeds and their unbelief. And it's a symbolic foretelling of Christ coming with his holy angels to judge the world and to execute vengeance upon his enemies. And he has every right to do that. But as he's executing vengeance, as he is meeting his enemies with his wrath, he has the power to protect his children. He has the power to seal and protect those saints who are believers in God. Those who do not want to go along with the Antichrist system. And that chapter shows that God has the power, just like he protected Israel during the plagues. He protected those who he sealed. Now, anyone who is saved is sealed unto the day of redemption. We're not sealed until any time before that. Even if we lose our life, our soul is sealed. But God can protect who he wants, when he wants. Amen. And that whole chapter was an encouragement for both reasons. It's a two-sided equation. The wicked will be judged. They're not going to get away with anything. And the righteous, us believers of God, children of God, the saints, we will be protected no matter what's going on, no matter what time it is in the world. Amen. And we need to be bold, stand up for Jesus, confess Jesus is Lord, not Caesar is Lord, and be bold, and get out there, and share the gospel, and we will be protected while that battle is raging on around us. Just as David said, I don't care if there's 10,000 people around me, God has your back. Amen? First John 4, 4, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. Psalm four three. But know that the Lord hath set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. Amen. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit. And that's why the Lord will hear when, when we call unto him and we pray. We have peace with God. We're, we have the Holy Spirit within us even helping us to pray when we don't even know how to pray. He helps and intercedes Romans 8.23 And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit the redemption of our body. And verse 26 says, Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we have Jesus Christ interceding for us at the right hand of God, almost as a lawyer, so to speak, interceding for us, defending us, because he is the only mediator between God and man. Amen? Romans 8.34 Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died Yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Amen. When we're sealed, we have the Holy Spirit, and we have the Lord Jesus Christ interceding for us at the right hand of God. Amen. Hallelujah. First Timothy 2.5 For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus Amen. And Jesus is Lord. Praise God. Revelation 7-2, And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And I heard the number of them which were sealed, and there were sealed an hundred and forty-four And hundred and 4,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel, they were sealed in their foreheads. They're sealed with the seal of the living God. Amen? It's a contrast to the others in the world, the wicked, the lost. They take the mark of the beast. Some of them are sealed by the mark of the beast to destruction in their foreheads, in the right hand of their foreheads, kind of like Goliath. Took a mark in his forehead, First Samuel seventeen forty nine, and David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it, and smote the Philistine in his forehead, that the stone sunk into his forehead, and he fell upon his face to the earth, dead. So that's an example of a mark in the forehead, unto death. We have the example in Ezekiel nine of the Lord sealing his elect, sealing his children unto salvation, protection, safety, life. Revelation 9.4 And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. So if you didn't have that seal in your forehead, you're going to get hurt. And that's going to happen sadly that's why I said now is the time now is the day of salvation if you're listening and you don't understand you know you sin against God and you know you need to be forgiven you know your sins aren't forgiven ask God to help you to repent and believe humble yourself pray ask him okay don't ignore the Holy Spirit if he's calling you if he if God is drawing you to Jesus you don't want to keep rejecting him Okay now some people are marked for hell they're they're reprobate they won't be able to repent and it's hard to understand but Romans 9:22 says what if God willing to show his wrath and to make his power known endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction they're not going to be saved Jeremiah 630 says reprobate silver shall men call them because the Lord hath rejected them so you don't want to cross the line and be in that camp when the Lord hath rejected you eternally and there is no more hope and that goes along with taking the mark of the beast Bible says those who take the mark of the beast are damned so that's one way you don't want to be sealed You can ask God to seal you and protect you, seal you unto the day of redemption with the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's our earnest. Jesus Christ does not leave us empty-handed. When we are saved, we receive the Holy Spirit. You don't get the Holy Spirit when you get wet and get baptized. You receive the Holy Spirit at salvation. That's the whole point of being born again. You have the living spirit, the, the Holy Spirit, quickens us. That is when we receive the Holy Spirit. And a lot of people are confused on that. But you must be born again. Make no mistake, if you have not been born again, and you just mentally believe in God and believe in the Bible and believe you think you know things that are in the Bible, you need to repent and believe what Jesus said. He said "Ye must be born again. So I would plead with you to go and read the whole Gospel of John, but especially in chapter 3 where he says that. And all the comments before and after. The context. Because what he explained to Nicodemus, who was a man who followed a lot of rules and gave a lot of lip service to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the same God that's in the scriptures, but he wasn't born again. He did not have eternal life. He was headed for hell. I do think he became a believer, praise God. The king of kings witnessed to him. And I think God opened his eyes. It tells us that Nicodemus went with Joseph to the tomb. They were caring for the Lord's body. We'll see in heaven. But I just wanted to talk about some of these things this week, and I also wanted to let you know that there has been a lot going on here, and my personal responsibilities taking care of my elderly mother have increased. So I'm not sure if I'm going to be doing a show. I may take a few weeks off, and if I do, I will thank you for coming back when I return with a new show. There's also a chance that I may create some shows that have content in them that are from previous Bible studies in which case I will let you know that at the beginning of the show. But don't be surprised if I take a short break. This is the 20th week of Truth Dealer Radio. I praise God for that. And it's been 20 weeks in a row. I may have to take a few weeks off to take care of some personal business. So I appreciate your prayers and prayers for my mother. Her name is Margaret. She needs to be saved. And um, I love you guys. I'm thankful for everyone who listens. And I just want to thank you for listening. Truth Dealer Radio is listener supported. If you want to support Truth Dealer Radio, there is a way to do that at truthdealer-radio.com. Again, thank you for listening. God bless you and be strong. Truth
0: Dealer Radio. No matter what time zone you're in, it's truth, truth. clock. Truth Dealer Radio. You
1: keep talking about Jesus. Some folks out there just might be listening.